tonight it is my privilege to introduce to you a friend of mine. Her name is Kathy. We invited Kathy to be a part of the Is Death the End series because of her story. It's amazing. And as you hear it just now, you will understand why. So um, when I was little, I was pretty much a good kid. Um, I was quiet. Mum used to say I was one of those no-trouble children. It did all of the things she was told, um, was helpful. And then I hit the age of 14 and uh, was 14 and nine months when, um, when I was raped. And, uh, and that's when everything changed. Everything went pretty much like a slippery dip then, um, downhill quite quickly. I started drugs and um, cracking cocaine by the time I was 15. And then um, with the help of mum and dad, I then came off it, but I substituted that for drinking and, um, and marijuana. That went on for, for a long time. I always felt different. Ever since I was a little girl, I, was, I used to have um, unusual dreams. There was um, a particular dream that was a reoccurring dream. It was about my grandfather. He was being thrown from one side of the road to the other. He was running and yelling and screaming and he had a, a shotgun. And I could see mum and my auntie um, and they were running up the road after him. And you could see, like there was nothing there, but you could, you could see something was throwing him, throwing him violently across from one side of the road to the other. And you could see the, um, the marks and the, the clawing happening. You could see the marks, the scratches on his back and stuff. I never really spoke about this reoccurring dream um, until I was uh, about 22. We were all, we'd all moved out of home by the stage and so we'd come to have, have you know, morning tea with mum, my two sisters and I. And um, we were talking about recurring dreams. All of us were just chatting and, and I brought it up. And as I was going through and, and telling about it, mum then stopped and she, she quietly said to me, um, where did you hear this? How do you know this? What you're describing is real. It, it happened, I was there. This is what happened to your grandfather. And, um, she then said to me, tell me again and I want you to tell me all of the details you can remember. And so I started and, and as I went through and she would say, and then what happened? And I would keep going and, and she said, and, and then what happened? And then once I got to the end, she said to me, I don't know how you know this. Um, because you weren't even born yet. 
And for the first time I realized that the thing that I knew was different about me, it all of a sudden started to fall into place about what was different. Mum had gone through and she had organized um, a couple of clairvoyant sessions that she paid for. At the time, um, she went through and she had said to me about a, a, a partner that I had had, that I still had an attachment to him. Um, we had broken up and that kind of thing, and, and she was brutal about it, and, and I ended up in tears. And so I said to Mum, um, I don't know what that lady's issue is, but I just know I, I, can't, I can't speak to her. So a couple of years later, um, I'd gone over to Perth and I had been considering moving from Sydney and, uh, and I hadn't decided if I was going to move to Perth or Melbourne yet. And when I got back from Perth, um, Mum had said to me, um, I'd landed, she left a message and I rang and she said, Rose is here. Now Rose was the clairvoyant lady that had me in tears years before, so... Um, she said she would like you to come. She wants to see you. I thought, all right, okay. Um, yeah, let's. And I went in and I saw her. And she said to me, so have you decided whether you are going to Perth or Melbourne? You haven't told your mum yet you're moving, have you? And I said to her, no, I hadn't mentioned it to anybody. I hadn't said anything to anybody about it. I hadn't even told my son um, that that's what I was looking at doing, that we were looking at moving. I was shocked that she knew. And then she said to me, um, I think Melbourne's probably the best place for you. What do you think? And I said, yeah, I was heading towards Melbourne. I was thinking Melbourne. And um, it's not so far as Perth. And uh, then she went through and she said to me, um, so have you finished the drugs and the drinking yet? And part of the move was to change my lifestyle. I was at a point where, uh, a crossroad where I wanted to, things to change. So um, I said, yeah, I think I am. And she said to me, good, because they have been waiting a long time for you. The angels have been waiting for you, for you to do the job you're supposed to be doing. Are you ready? I said, I think I am. So I then decided I would become a clairvoyant. Um, I had used the drugs and the alcohol to stop the things I was seeing. I used it to run away from the fact that I didn't know how to handle it or I just didn't think it was normal. Um, there wasn't anything that I'd really had in my environment before. And so then when she said to me, you know, are you ready? I just felt this overwhelming, yes, I am ready. I'm ready to do this. And to me, I thought it was, I thought it was angels. I thought it was God's angels. I was thinking it was, you know, the angelic world. It wasn't, it never at that point in time occurred to me that they were actually the devil's angels, um, demons. I thought it was God's angels. I thought that's, 
That's what was different about me, that I was, I was supposed to be doing this. I moved to Melbourne. I went through and I had a um, 1-900 line, which people would ring, and I would give them readings over the phone. Um, I was very good at it. I, I, um, I had this thing where I wanted to make sure that it wasn't my own opinion that I was giving. So I would say to them, I need you to write your questions down on a piece of paper and not tell me what they are. And once you have folded them and um, so write them individually, the individual question on a piece of paper, um, fold it, and then tell me it's folded and I will tell you what the answer is. And it was for me, I needed to know I, I wasn't making it up in my head. I needed to know that what was being put in, pushed into my mind was something that wasn't from me. Um, I would then shuffle the cards. I would say to them, okay, I have six decks of cards in front of me. Give me three numbers. And I would normally use three decks of cards. Um, They were all different from the Oracle um, cards. There would be the tarot. There were a couple of different sets of tarot. And then there were angel cards as well. Um, And I would shuffle out normally three cards from each of them. And then I would read them. I would then tell them what the question was and what the answer was to that question. I became very popular with this because I... I did very well. Um, people believed me because, of course, I, they didn't have to ask me the questions. I could just tell them what the answers were and what their questions were without them telling me. So um, there was a sense of trust that came with that. And so I did very well. I then was able to support my family. Um, so I was very good at it. People were trusted me because I was able to to help them and and I that's what I was doing I was helping people um it's why I thought that it was good angels it never occurred to me that it was was anything else I was doing this for about two years very successfully um making good money and and quite contented I was very content with what I was doing um you know I was even able to 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 draw artistically draw with my eyes closed there were so many things that were um would I felt so gifted um and that it was a blessing um there were a lot of physical things that that then would happen it took me anywhere up to four to five hours to recover from one session so I didn't really do a lot of them um in in a day I I probably wouldn't do any more than say three in a day because it would take too much out of me as a, a clairvoyant, I wanted to go through, I wanted to learn other things. Um, I wanted to teach other people how to, to talk to angels. I wanted to, one of the things I felt was that it was a gift that everybody should have, that that, that if it was given to me, it must have been given to everybody else, that, but, but they didn't know how to use it. They didn't know um, how to tap into it. Um, so I then thought I would go through and study um, angels. So I decided to to study angelology and um, I'd been doing it for nearly a year and I was coming up to exams 
I was going through the content on on the telly, going through some of the stuff that that I was supposed to be, um, I would be tested on for the exam. And um, mum had said, oh, that's Gideon. And I was thinking, oh, okay. And and I was trying to take this information in and she was sitting there in the chair and and then she'd say to me, oh, and and that's such and such. And I'm thinking, woman. Um, And then she went through and, and... and she says to me, so what do you think of the three angels' message? And I looked over and I'm thinking, what do you mean, the, the three angels' message? And she says to me, what do you mean, what do you mean, the three angels' message? Haven't you, haven't you done that? And I said, no, I haven't heard of it. And so she says to me, so I've been watching you've, study angels in history, you've studied angels in the Torah, you've studied uh, studied angels in the Kabbalah, you've studied angels throughout um, history, and you're telling me you don't know anything about the three angels' message. I said, no, I don't. I, I've, where is it? She said, it's in the Bible. I said, what? And she says, it's in the Bible. I said, well, why would they leave that out? Um, and she says to me, well, I don't know. You're the one that's supposed to be the quali- being qualified to, to teach people about angels. Why do you think they've left it out? And so I went through and, and it played on my mind a lot. Um, uh, after that, I went through, I did the exams. I, I became qualified. Um, but it had then, it had, it had nagged at me and I was thinking, why do you not want, why would you not want us to know? I then was impressed to read Revelation. I'd never picked the Bible up before. I had a Bible. I, my grandmother had given me a Bible. Um, so I'd had a Bible for years. And I thought to myself, what is this? Why do you not want us to know about this? So I started at the beginning of Revelations and I read it and wow, was it an eye-opener. It was, I, I could relate to it. I, I, I saw some of these things. I knew what the, the visions of demons looked like. I knew what some of these, um, the different things in my mind as a child growing and, and seeing these things, I'd, I'd constantly had visions. Um, so to me, it was exciting. I, I looked at Revelations and I'm thinking, wow, this is amazing. So after reading Revelations, mum had been going to church and, and, uh, and she'd come home and she said, I think I need to invite, um, I'm going to invite bulk people back to make up for all of the lunches I'd been to. And I was thinking, oh no, I said, what? I'm inviting your churchy friends. And she said, yes. And um, she said, um, "You, so you'll sit here and I'll sit here. And and then she was pointing out around the rest of it. And I'm like, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm not sitting at the table with your churchy friends to have lunch. And she said, no, it's, we need an even amount around the table. So yes, yes, you will be. And at one of these lunches, I met Pastor David McKibben. Oh no. 
he was so cool, um, easy to talk to, and I just I felt I could ask him things. I um, he'd come over um, to visit Mum, and and he knew what I did. He he knew he never he never judged me. He would just listen to some of the things and and. And then this one day I said to him, I, I think I want to do Bible studies. So we started Bible studies and I remember him saying to me when I had told him I'd read Revelations, he said, it's not, it's not the book that everybody goes first to when they read the Bible. He says, it's, it's one of those books that most people steer clear from and, uh, and so for you just, just to decide to go straight in there, um, there were so many other things that I then wanted to know. I was then, um, I couldn't, I was doing another course. I was doing the CHEP course and and I couldn't concentrate on, on the work I was supposed to be doing because I just was so impressed to read and I was so absorbed with God. I wanted to know more. I'd found out that the life that I knew, the things I was doing, all of this, it wasn't real. It was a lie. I was totally deceived. And yet it felt so right that I was doing things to help people. And then this epiphany of knowing and and reading and finding out. And, and then when I got to that part in the Bible where it was an abomination I thought to myself, oh my goodness, and this is what I've been doing. And it was and it was like a rock falling on my head of what on earth have you been doing? And so then I knew that it was time to get rid of everything. And I packed it all up and I said to Mum, I need to get rid of all of this and I had I had cards that there were um, that there were only a few that were created in them. So these cards were um, worth lots of money. I decide that I am I'm done. That I am I'm done with that. I now realise that what I have been doing has been influenced by the devil, and it was the devil's angels. That it wasn't what I thought it was. Um, and it was time to get rid of this stuff. It was time to cleanse my life, our house. Um, he, he had had enough influence in my life. I packed it all up. I got all my certificates I had. I was a Reiki master. I was all sorts of things by, by this stage. I, and, and I had packed it all up. I took all of the certificates out of their, out of, out of their frames and I put them all together and I said to mum, I need to burn them. And she said, well, why don't we just throw them all into, into the bin? I said, no, no, I, that's no way. I said, God has spent enough time competing with these things for his daughter back. I'm not making him compete with these, with anyone else. I won't have anyone else find them. Um, and no one else will ever use them again. So I 
wanted them burnt. And we took the whole lot and we burnt them. And I knew that God would never compete with Satan in my life again. There were probably more than $10,000 worth of stuff that we burnt. And it's not as if we didn't need the money. We did. Uh, God gave us back the money um, into my account within, was I think it might have been nine days, $10,000 entered my account. And it was apparently a clerical error that had been made previously in taxes. So the money that I would have got, had I had sold it, God gave back anyway. And I knew I'd done the right thing. I, I knew he had done it on, on purpose. David and I then, when we were talking, and I just um, I, I said to him, I think I'm ready for baptism. I think I want to be baptised. Um, I think I'm ready. And he says to me, I think you are ready. And so I was then impressed by a set date. And there were a lot of things that went on to pick that date. But it then ended up being the 19th of the first 19. Um, and the thing was, I my birthday is the 19th. And so it was the, then the 19th of the first, which then meant um, I felt like I was being given a birth date again, um, where my life was starting all over. Um, that was the start of, of the devil saying, well, you know what, I'm not pleased with what you're doing. I'm not happy with your choices. And I don't think I'm prepared to let you go. Um, and so my little boy, um, in the corner of the room, he would start seeing the grey men and a grey boy, a little boy, that would stand with him. And they would call his name and keep calling his name and they wouldn't stop. Um, and then there was screaming and I couldn't hear any of this, but he could and then he would end up so distressed. And I told Pastor David about it and, um, and we started praying um, terribly hard and, and Pastor David said, you have to, you have to, you have to say. And I went into my room and I yelled, you won't have my child and you don't own me anymore. And we prayed a lot. And that next night, there was no more screaming and there was no more calling of his name. And he slept like a a little boy should, nice and peacefully. But I do my own Bible studies now with the girls that I got baptised with, and I now work in the church. I, I do live streaming and I run our Facebook for our church and the Sabbath school lady for the kids, um, which I love doing. The devil hasn't gone away. He still torments. I, I still get... Um, tormented. Um, it doesn't affect me like it used to. I don't get the anxiety. I don't drink 
anymore. I don't smoke anymore. I don't do drugs anymore. Um, and I don't take any anxiety medication. I, I don't need any of it anymore because I have prayer. I have God. Um, and, and I don't need anything else. So, so the devil doesn't go away. And he is there, and he will keep pushing, and we know that. Um, he pushes my older son a lot, um, but he's on his way. He's on his way to God too, which is a miracle, another miracle. And all I can say is that don't go there. It's not a world you want to be in. It is deceptive. It looks like it is fun, the price is too high. It's far too high, and it's not just you you bring into it. You bring your family into it. It affected my mum. It affected her um, life. It affected my kids' life. And and now and now we we rely on God. We now have Him. I'm so glad that you were able to be with us tonight as we could listen together to Kathy's incredible story. And if this story has moved you, if you'd like to know more about the subjects that Kathy was sharing on, we want to make available to you tonight this free offer. It's called Perils of Talking to the Dead. If you would like to obtain your free copy of this free offer, then simply text the number 707 to the number you see on your screen, and we will make sure that this comes straight to you. May God bless you. We look forward to having you back with us tomorrow night.